Let's face it, no one developer can build an application that meets all of the needs all of the time in the best way possible. So there's other companies that have uh, decided to branch out and develop software uh, that meets a particular niche, such as uh, payroll applications, uh, uh, purchasing applications, and that sort of thing. And by doing that, um, they have actually offered more functionality that better suits the needs of the business than those that are native to the uh, ERP or one-size-fits-all application. Hi, I'm Danny, And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast, where we explore the connection between company spending and culture. Join us as we dive deep into understanding the people, processes, and tools that make up spend as a whole, or what we call spend culture. Welcome back to the Spend Culture Stories podcast. Today, we are speaking with Paul Regal, Regional Director at the CFO Center. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you today. So before we get started, let's just have you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at the CFO Center. Sure. Well, I'll give you uh, kind of the Reader's Digest bio here. After I graduated from the University of Alberta with my Bachelor of Business degree, um, I spent some time in public accounting practice in Calgary, followed by accounting and finance experience in the oil and gas sector. After that, I uh, was privileged to have some senior leadership positions at the city of Calgary. But my first CFO position was with Calgary Laboratory Services. And after I finished that stint, I moved into senior leadership positions in the professional services sector. Firstly, with McCarthy Petro Law Firm, where I was the director of finance and admin. And most recently is the executive director of Burnett, Duckworth & Palmer Law Firm. And that was essentially a combined COO, CFO role. I relocated to Vancouver area about a year ago and began actively looking for opportunities. And I stumbled upon the CFO Center. And I was intrigued by the business model of the CFO Center as it's based on offering part-time CFO services to small and medium-sized businesses. And this is uh, so that smaller businesses can tap into the expertise of a CFO for a fraction of the cost of a full-time CFO. And as you've already mentioned, I'm, the current, I'm currently the uh, regional director for the CFO Center in the greater Vancouver area and uh, loving life from the West Coast. That's awesome. Well, welcome to Vancouver. It looks like a common thing that we're hearing with other CFOs is oftentimes the COO role is intertwined with that or they are kind of two things that tend to be done by the same person. Is that something that you've also seen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, once you are a senior um, or I guess the most senior admin person in any organization that combines finance and, and operational duties, it just makes sense that more of the operational duties come under your portfolio because a lot of the decision-making is uh, based on information from finance sector in the organization. So I, I just think it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That's what we've heard. And um, just from what you've said as well, uh, that makes a lot of sense to us. And I really love the business model of the CFO Center about offering those part-time services because one of the things that we've noticed is, okay, when do you actually bring on a full-time CFO? So maybe you could give us your input on how does a company know when they need to hire a CFO, whether it's part-time like your company offers or actually bringing someone full-time in-house? First of all, you're right. I mean, our business model is great. As I've already mentioned, it allows uh, the small and medium-sized enterprises to tap into our breadth and depth of knowledge without breaking the bank, so to speak. A lot of these businesses cannot afford a full-time CFO. So typically, we go in and give them a hand until either A, they don't require services anymore, or B, more commonly, they recognize the value we bring and uh, they decide to hire a full-time CFO. So I guess typically we see companies calling us for CFO help when they are well past the startup stage and have fairly ambitious growth plans, but they really need assistance taking the business to the next level. And this is where they get into trouble. They really don't have the capacity or the knowledge to take their business to the next step. It may be an owner-managed business, and we see this quite often where the owner's tired of spending the 60 to 70 hours weekly running and funding the business and is ready for an infusion of capital from an external source or a redesign of his business structure and needs assistance uh, with developing a strategic plan and sourcing a scalable financial system all of which we as CFOs can assist the business with. In this situation, you would likely see that the business has outgrown its financial system, its organizational structure, and needs to hire a senior leader, such as a COO, as we were talking about before, or combined COO-CFO role to take the pressure off the owner and operator. The business most likely would also require a structured approach to regular financial and management reporting, such as a regular cash flow statement, for example, actual to budget variance reports, and formal financial statements for reporting to owners, investors, or banks. Just as an aside, kind of a pitch for the CFO Center, if anyone in our audience would like to know how well their finance function rates across our 12 functional areas, you can take our what's called our F-score, which can be found at www the CFO center and that center with an RE at the end dot CA. Okay. So based on your experience and the things that you've seen throughout your career, are there some common mistakes that companies are making in terms of their spending that you're kind of seeing as a reoccurring trend? Well, I guess one of the things that occurs to me is that in fact, what I'll do is maybe just uh, recall a couple of uh, instances in my background where there's been, as I would call it, some horror stories around company spend. And I think that some of the most significant stories in my career have been project over expenditures, either in major systems implementations or construction projects. And I've actually seen some fairly significant over expenditures in both of these areas. And it seemed to me that it stemmed from lack of an adequate project monitoring control, reporting, and communication system in the organization. 
And an organization on personal stress as the business seeks to recalibrate and recover from the situation. So generally, it's just really either not having the tools to monitor spend adequately or just not the rigor of um, analyzing, reporting, and communicating the results of spend to the people or decision makers in your organization. Definitely in our industry and the clients that we serve, it's something that we see as well. So kind of seeing from a high level overview of the experience that you've had, that's definitely the area that we try to tackle. And I think having those systems in place and the processes and a a place to keep all that information and to be able to track, like you said, spending in progress is really, really important. For sure. Now, in terms of technology, are there any key pieces of technology that you think a CFO should have to be able to do their job most effectively? Yeah, I think so. First of all, I've seen the shift by companies towards hosted solutions over the last number of years, which generally means that as a business, you do not need to invest in the IT infrastructure to support your systems as they are supported by the developer. And as far as systems are concerned, I've also seen a trend to the best of breed in systems away from the one-size-fits-all ERP solutions that businesses used to prefer, say, five to ten years ago. So companies may have a base accounting system, however, may choose to go with a different brand for other related software solutions, such as purchasing or spend management. But regardless of its size, any business needs a base system, which includes generally your general ledger system, accounts payable and accounts receivable functionality, bank reconciliation functionality, a budget module, management and financial reporting systems functionality, and payroll functionality. And again, with uh, payroll, depending on the organization's size, some smaller organizations tend to use an outsourced payroll provider to process its payroll, whereas other large organizations still prefer to handle their own payroll processing in-house and may choose to use a payroll system that comes with its ERP or may choose a separate solution. And then in addition to the base system, there are other systems that businesses may require or choose to have. The first one is a financial forecasting system. Again, Depending upon your size, some smaller businesses resort to using a spreadsheet application such as Excel, whereas some large organizations may use a data warehouse combined with an in-house forecasting system or sorts of complete forecasting software solution. And then depending on the nature of your business, say if you, for example, develop customized software solutions or operate in the professional services niche, you would also need a time and billing software functionality. Some companies, and and I'm seeing this uh, increasingly so, have a purchasing system, or as you call it, a spend management system, which tracks your spend from order to pay. Many businesses today are also implementing a document management system, which provides a secure protected system environment to create, update, manage, and retrieve corporate documents. This system has been particularly popular with businesses that are moving to a paperless office. Many companies as well are developing or buying web portal software 
that allows customers of the business to make inquiries, view documents, and perform other interactive engagements. And then finally, many businesses have a CRM or customer relationship management software, which is used to track and correspond with your customer base. And then overlying supporting all of the systems in an enterprise or within a business uh, normally is a backup or redundancy system in case of a natural disaster, a power failure, or any, any other sort of outage. Generally for businesses, you want a system or systems that are user-friendly, easy to use, and are robust in the sense that they can handle any type of business transaction or reporting need and one in which system upgrades don't put an undue burden on the organizations, as well as you want systems that have a good user track record. In fact, today, many organizations go through a reference check with user organizations before committing to a software purchase. So that's kind of uh, a capsulized view of um, how I see uh, systems and systemization in an organization from a CFO's perspective. That's really interesting for us to hear as well, because I think when the average person looks at what a CFO would be using um, in terms of technology, I, I don't know if they would understand the variety of tools that are actually out there um, and the amount of things that can assist in your business needs. You mentioned that a lot of organizations are moving away from the one size fits all solution. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, let's face it, no one developer can build an application that meets all of the needs all of the time in the best way possible. So there's other companies that have uh, decided to branch out and develop software that meets a particular niche, such as payroll applications, purchasing applications, and that sort of thing. And by doing that, they have actually offered more functionality that better suits the needs of the business than those that are native to the uh, ERP or one-size-fits-all application. Yeah, absolutely. So in your mind, do you think it's possible for us to see the death of the ERP in the next five to 10 years? I don't think so because it still offers you the core functionality for a financial system, including the components that uh, I mentioned earlier. So I still believe that that core functionality that's uh, native to generally all ERP systems is likely still the way to go. But, you know, who knows what might happen in the future. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see as technologies advance and more companies capitalize on opportunities, uh, how things play out. So in terms of continuing your learning and knowledge about the industry and your profession, how do you do that? Are there any books or blogs that you would recommend? Um, do you attend courses? How, how do you keep your knowledge growing? Sure, that's a great question. I've always been a lifelong learner, and just to give you an example of uh, kind of what I've done, after completing my formal university and professional accounting education, I found that I've always kept abreast of the latest trends in people management, financial management systems, and business trends locally, nationally, and internationally. 
I did this through staying active and volunteering on the boards of organizations, including my accounting organization, taking formal and informal learning courses, participating in local chapters of industry organizations, and having a group of peers that I could bounce ideas off. And I've also been a reader, normally reading multiple good reads every year. These would range from, for example, my accounting publications and other industry and business magazines to good books. I particularly stay up to date on LinkedIn and have joined various business and other communities that are represented on uh, that application. And uh, on LinkedIn, I especially look for the links to blogs from significant businesses and uh, government leaders. For example, uh, the Business Ethics blog or the Digital Marketing and Technology blog. There's certainly no lack of blogs out there. And uh, what I found is it's not difficult to find a good one. But a few good books that I could recommend are, first of all, and again, putting a pitch in for the CFO Center. It's a book by the founder of the CFO Center, uh, Mr. Colin Mills from the UK called Scale Up. And really, it talks about how to take your business to the next level without losing control and running out of cash. The next book I would recommend, actually the next couple of books, are by the author Malcolm Gladwell. The first one is called David and Goliath, a book in which Gladwell really challenges how we think of obstacles and disadvantages in the business context. And the more recent one is called Outliers in which Gladwell tackles the question as to what makes high achievers different. So that's really how I keep up to date and advance my learning as a CFO. Thank you so much, Paul. I love how you mentioned Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. That's also one of my favorite books. Um, I think it's super important as a financial leader and a CFO to also think about how to really develop that human side of leadership, as you mentioned, and not just focus on, you know, just the technological systems or the processes. So I'm curious, um, from your opinion, uh, what does the recruitment process for a CFO usually look like? And what are some of the qualities they usually look for? Well, I like the fact that you focused on a well-rounded leader in all aspects, including the soft skills, because typically people are promoted in any organization due to their technical skills. And I think lately that that's shifted a bit and people are recognizing that, wait a minute, yeah, we recognize that all people at a certain level have the technical skills required for that position and probably for a promotion. However, you also need that people element. And I guess for recruitment, you know, that's one of the first things that I would look for. The ability to lead an organizational team or teams and also motivate them to reach organizational goals. The ability to build relationships both internally and externally to the organization. I find that that's really, really important. Really, as a CFO, you're a senior leader, but more importantly, you're a brand ambassador for your particular organization. And you have many, many external contacts, whether it be shareholders, directors on the board, uh, bankers, lawyers, you know, customers, whatever, you're a brand ambassador and uh, whoever you reach out to, 
you're representing your brand and you want somebody that can uh, represent that in the best light possible. Obviously, with a CFO recruitment, the understanding or the assumption is that the individual already has a CPA and is a qualified professional accountant. Again, that's just the starting point, but this indicates that the person has undertaken the rigorous educational and technical training need, needed rather, uh, to move them forward in the organization. The other thing that I'd look for is systems understanding, understanding of what systems are necessary to support the business of the organization, what are the trends in system support, and the understanding of data protection and security. Involvement on the executive board. Has the individual been part of and contributed to the decision-making of an executive board? The next uh, attribute I would look for is uh, interface with insurance, banking, and investments. Does the individual have well-rounded experience in sourcing liability, organizational, and commercial insurance? Uh, has he or she been primarily responsible for building and maintaining banking relationships, including any debt obligations? Has the individual taken a lead role in designing and defining investment strategies for the business? One of the other things is public speaking and presentations to the board, including the management discussions and analysis of business and financial performance of the organization. If it's a public company looking for a CFO, does the individual have experience with the reporting requirements of the regulatory bodies? I think that one of the most critical and important attributes, but sometimes overlooked, is fit. In other words, does the individual fit with the culture, direction, and business style of the organization? This is so critical. The individual can possess all of the other attributes that I referred to earlier. However, if the fit's not there, my experience tells me that the relationship will not last. And then I guess a final comment is that I've seen that for a senior position like a CFO, normally a business will outsource the search to a professional recruiter to ensure that the business gets the best available candidates for the job. Thanks so much, Paul, for your answer. Um, I definitely agree with the fact that um, organizations are now looking into more of a well-rounded financial leader. And you mentioned even like a brand ambassador. I think that's a, definitely a trend we'll start seeing. Um, instead of the CEO having all the spotlight, I feel like the CFO's time to shine is also coming on. And um, I guess another question for you is um, for aspiring CFOs, let's say you're an accountant where someone just got your CPA, what are some steps that you think they should take in order to eventually become a senior finance leader? Sure. Well, just drawing from my background, the first thing I would recommend is study the habits and performance of your current CFO in your organization and ask yourself whether you want to do the things that the CFO does. Uh, schedule a meeting with the CFO and ask for his or her advice and state your intentions and desires to become a CFO. Uh, secondly, as I uh, mentioned earlier, complete your CPA designation because it certainly opens doors. Make sure your performance habits set you apart from the other accountants in your group or department. For example, ask for extra work, ask for special assignments, and don't regularly show up for work five minutes early and 
leave right on time. Demonstrate that you have the commitment and capacity to go over and above what's normally expected of a person in your role. The next thing is when there's a vacancy and you see a possibility for a promotion for you, show your interest through both applying for the position and speaking personally to the hiring manager. Make sure the manager understands your interest in the position and why. Be intentional about that. Uh, Volunteer for special events in your organization could be anything from, say, representing the company at a career fair or heading up a food bank drive. You will get to know the people outside of your department and outside of the day-to-day business routines on a more personal level. Uh, participate in the social activities of the company. The hiring managers are more likely to hire a cheerleader for the company. Second last thing is be a lifelong learner. Enroll in company-sponsored training. Take formal courses that will prepare you for a CFO career. Don't stop asking questions or providing recommendations to your company as how they could benefit from a change in processes, for example. And then Finally, be a relationship person. Go out of your way to find out about how others are doing. Meet others you don't know to encourage someone who needs it and to help others and be positive. I love that. I feel like that really kind of connects with how we treat our team members here and how we look at our role at the organization. I think it's more than just being able to go in and do the numbers. It's really about who you are and what you're trying to make out of yourself and your career and how you impact those around you. You bet. And uh, let's be honest, those of us in the workforce spend more time at work than we do with our families. So you want to make sure that you make a positive impact on your organization. Absolutely. It's one thing I say all the time to people, you're spending more time with your team members and at your office than you are probably with your friends and family. So you want to make sure, like you said, you're surrounding yourself with people that have kind of the same values and goals as you, but also that you're contributing positively to their life as well. Absolutely. So as a company grows, can you explain to us a little bit about the relationship between the scaling of an organization and their financial controls? Well, generally, as organizations mature, uh, so do their controls. And I mentioned earlier that you find that, or we find as CFOs, that when we get into an organization, some organizations have clearly outgrown their uh, financial platform or their financial system. And as that happens, you normally find that you have to retool and redesign or take on new processes that fit or more closely fit with any new system. And there are circumstances, in fact, where we're asked to help the organization source a new financial system. So we would take a look at the existing processes and controls in the organization and uh, take a look at the system just to see what fits. And again, Normally, you would see an upscaling of the controls and processes of the organization to fit uh, with the new system. And this could be anything from day-to-day controls around uh, data entry, approval of spend, bank reconciliations, internal audits, written formal policies, that sort of thing. That makes a lot of sense to hear that as well. Obviously, as your organization grows, as you start to take on more things, there's possibly more money coming in. It just makes sense naturally that you would have to 
look at your financial controls again and make some changes? For sure. And, you know, I'll give you an example of something that I ran across just recently. One of my clients is in the software business and they actually use their time and billing or time recording software application to pay their employees, which is interesting, rather than uh, bill out their work. And so when I got in, I noticed that in some cases, there was quite a variance between what they or the time that they paid their employees for working and what they actually bill out to their customers. And in a lot of cases, the amount that they were billing out to their customers was a lot less than what they were paying their employees. And I asked them if they were paying attention to that and monitoring that. And the answer was no. And I said, well, you know, it's a significant variance and it's, it represents revenue lost and lost billing opportunities. And in my thinking, that's one thing that you absolutely have to pay attention to. So I'm helping them uh, design some KPIs and some controls around the measurement and the ongoing monitoring of that. That's really interesting to hear. And it's kind of funny because I think if you, from an outside perspective here, that it just is common sense that that would be done. But I, I know when you're in a company that's growing very quickly, you're kind of just trying to keep up sometimes and, and do things to the best of your ability. And so I can also see how something like that could be easily missed without the help of uh, someone with financial expertise like yourself. You bet. And in support of, of the business owner, especially of the small business, they're, uh, you know, kind of up to their eyeballs and alligators, as the old saying goes. Sometimes they just don't have time to take a step back. And uh, most often, that's why they bring us in as CFOs, because they don't know what they don't know. And that's where our expertise and our wealth of, uh, of information and experience comes into play. Absolutely. That's definitely something that I have heard myself time again. You don't know what you don't know. And it oftentimes takes that person to come in who has that experience and that eye for things that you just don't know to look for. Absolutely. So when you kind of look at the beginning of your career versus now, how has managing spend uh, within organizations changed? Well, I think that spend management has changed significantly over the years. I think that there's obviously more focus on cash flow perhaps today than, than there ever has been. You know, obviously businesses and business in general is becoming much more competitive. So it's all about managing your cash flow. When I look back over my career, when I first started, most companies had monthly reporting cycles in which they would monitor and review their spend at the end of each cycle. Now, business decisions are required more regularly and quickly, and you'll find that information most often is produced in real time. So now you'll see that many companies will have some sort of a purchasing or spend management solution or system in which it isn't uncommon to see daily or weekly reporting, reconciliations, and other monitoring. As well, many of the processes within the procurement or spend management systems are automated, such as ordering, PO, invoice and receiving slip matching, and payment generating. Businesses can no longer wait until the end of the reporting period to receive the information they need to make crisp, ongoing business decisions. So you just find that there's 
uh, you know, there's more focus on the bottom line. There's more focus on spend. And as I've said, cash management generally. Definitely. And that makes sense for me to hear that as well. I mean, I couldn't imagine waiting until the end of the month or the end of a quarter to look at spend and, and where the money's gone. It's just not realistic anymore, especially in industries that are moving so quickly. Absolutely. Now, kind of on that note, are there any bad recommendations or things that you are hearing be made in your profession to people in terms of spend? I'm not sure whether it's bad advice or faulty thinking. Maybe it's kind of a combination of both. I guess more generally than just spend is that we get into some businesses and they're fairly substantial businesses and the prevailing thinking is that, well, our business is too small to engage in a strategic plan or a business plan or too small for a structured business system or processes. All of these things add an element of either direction or control for your business. Business plans present that strategic view, which guides your business direction and operates over, say, a three or five year or longer period of time. Uh, business systems and processes provide the information, controls, and reporting construct that keeps the business on track and aligned with its goals and allows informed decision making. So you want to make sure with any monitoring in your business, whether it's spend management, cash flow, that you have the information that you need to make decisions and that you need to react very quickly to an unforeseen circumstance and that you have that information on hand when you need it. Absolutely. I think that's a great thing to note is the accessibility to the information and being able to have that data at a very quick response rate. Now, our last question for you, kind of looking back at the experience that you've had this far, what is the most valuable piece of advice you've been given in your career? Well, to kind of follow up on a, on a theme that we discussed earlier, make sure that you branch out. Just don't focus solely on finance or learning financial management or financial applications or new presentations of financial data. I mean, while those are all important, make sure to become a well-rounded leader. Learn new things. Don't always rely on past learnings. Again, whether it relates to your career or whether it's a hobby, keep learning. And then try to seek a balance between your career and family or private life. Because we all know that a burned out employee is not useful to their organization. Continue to do the things you love away from work. I love to cycle, uh, work out, hike, read, listen to music. Whatever it is you love doing, don't quit because of your career and spend quality time with your family. Be a team player. Be kind to people. That may sound like common sense, but I know it doesn't come easy to, to a lot of us. And be kind to people, especially in your business. And what I found is that oftentimes it's a tough thing to do. However, always strive to take the high road and people will respect you for that. I love that. That to me is so important. I think regardless of what area your career is focused in, I think it's really easy to kind of keep your eye on the prize, to put it simply, and to kind of forget about all the other things that are just as important in your life. So I think, like you mentioned, having that balance and continuously learning, but making time for things that matter as well is 
I think what would really contribute to just being even better version of yourself and your job. You bet. And one of the things that uh, I did in my past job, now I have more flexibility with respect to the CFO center. I work from home so I can go and, you know, I can get a workout in just about any time of the day. But uh, when I was in a much more structured environment in Calgary in my last job with Burnett Duckworth and Palmer Law Firm, I used to take my noon hours to go work out. And I just found that that was a great break in the middle of the day just to refresh, reload, and de-stress. And that's just one of the techniques that uh, I used for you know getting rid of stress and regenerating. Absolutely. That focus on, you know, your own well-being as well as taking care of those around you. I think you got to find that balance. And it sounds like you've done a good job of that. Well, I haven't been perfect for sure. But, you know, it's about learning things about yourself. You know, what triggers stress, uh, what, what type of learner you are, what things to pay attention to, and really just how to improve yourself. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been really great getting to know not only more about your career, but some of the things that you've done to help you grow both personally and professionally. We really appreciate your time. Well, thank you for having me on. It's uh, been a pleasure for me to help you out and hopefully uh, my comments have been helpful. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Spend Culture Stories podcast sponsored by Procurify. If you'd like to learn more about your spend culture, take our quiz at spendculture.com.